Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, obviously, we're starting a new series this morning called You Plus Me Equals Us. And uh, we're going to be talking about relationships over the next four weeks and just seeing what God has in store for us at New Life Fellowship and uh, that we can't do things, we weren't meant to do things alone. If, if you read back at the beginning of the story, you open your Bibles all the way to Genesis, you see the creation account. God began to speak things into existence. He began to create the earth. He put man there. And when he was done creating, he looked around at everything in he created and he said, this is good. This, I, I just picture not just good. I, it's like, this is really good. Like maybe God gave himself a little pat on the back. Like we did a great job. So he created everything and said, this is good. And in the middle of that perfection and all the things that he had created, it said, this is wonderful. This is good. This is exactly what I had in mind. There was one thing that God looked around and said, this isn't so good. And in Genesis chapter two and verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good For the man to be alone. We were never created to live by ourselves. In fact, the the list of things that we can't do alone is endless. If you think about this with me, what are some things that we can't do alone? I was thinking about it uh, yesterday. I was thinking you can't play catch by yourself. How many of you know that would be pretty ridiculous? Hey, throw this back to me. Come on. You can't do things by yourself. You can't share. If you don't have somebody else to share with, how can you even do something as practical as sharing? You can't do the seesaw that we already saw this morning. I've tried that when I was a kid sitting at the park thinking, man, this really stinks. I wish somebody would come and sit on the other side of this thing. What other things can't we do by ourselves? We can't sing a duet. I'm not even going to sing a solo for you this morning, so please don't worry about that. You can't sing a duet. You can't get a hug. Did you ever try that one with yourself? Like, I'm so lonely, I'm just going to give myself a little hug of encouragement here. You can't do it by yourself. Anybody ever swim in the pool and try to play Marco Polo by yourself? How'd that go for you? Marco! Marco! Come on. You can't do these things on your own because we weren't meant to do things by ourselves. Just a few other ones that I thought of that we can't do alone. Uh, maybe you've tried this one alone it didn't go so well. You can't move furniture bigger than yourself. I've I've tried that and it didn't work out so well. You can't eat a large pizza by yourself. Well, all right. I I see a couple people in the crowd going, no, I I could do that one. It it wouldn't be good for you. Trust me. We, We weren't meant to do it alone. There are things that we're meant to have others. You can't have kids by yourself. You can't be a friend to someone else if you're all by yourself. You can't love someone else. Can't win a race by yourself. Can't be kind. If there's no one else to be kind to, can't ride a tandem bike by yourself. Well, actually, I guess you could. It's just really heavy. It's a lot heavier than a regular bike. There are things that we weren't meant to do by ourselves. The point of it all is we weren't created to be alone. In fact, it's the only thing that God in all of his creation looked at and said, this is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And the world system says, do it yourself. It's all about you. You can be on your own. Every man is an island. Come on, we've heard that before. That's what the world promotes. Even the world's attempt to create community leaves us empty and void. If, if you, this, is my, this is my every uh, six weeks or so commercial about Facebook. Facebook is not evil, but it's not real. Look at your neighbor and say, that's not real. Come, look at your neighbor, tell them to put their phone down and stop looking at their newsfeed and say, that's not real. We, we weren't meant to do things alone. We weren't created to be alone. And even the world's attempt 
to connect us together has left us more alone than ever. We have a whole generation of people that have 5,000 friends and they don't know how to sit down and have a conversation with somebody in the room. It's because we weren't meant to be there by ourselves trying to have relationship. We were meant to be connected with other people. We weren't created to be alone. God desires to add relationships to each one of our lives to turn us from a me to an us. And that's part of what this series is going to be about. What do we need to add? What are the relationships that God adds into our lives that forms that us in us? And another word for that concept, another word for what I'm talking about when I say we get into relationships and it makes an us, another word for that is community. God desires for us to live in relationship in community with one another. Having community is another thing that you can't do alone. Very difficult to sit around and say, hey, I'm having great community here in my kitchen at my table all by myself. It just doesn't work by definition. And as we look at community and expanding the circle of us that God wants to create together, uh, a couple of things I want to remind us. It's a choice that we make. And it may not always be an easy one. This is not this is not really the, the root of where community came from. But we've been talking the last couple of weeks. And when we see that word community, it sounds like the words come And unity. It's a choice we make. I'm going to come into relationship. I'm going to enter in. And unity says we may not be exactly the same, but we're going to do this together. So every single relationship we're going to talk about the next few weeks, it requires us to make a choice and to say even though we're different, we are together. We are going to be us because that's God's will for us. So each week, we're going to look at a relationship that we add to our lives to truly experience what God has for us. And throughout this series, uh, we're going to have an opportunity for you to get your picture taken in the lobby. Why are we doing that? You can you can get it printed out on Sunday morning. You can get it emailed to you. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be cool. Why are we doing that? Because pictures help us mark important events in our lives and remind us of the relationships that are really important to us. How many of you have a box of pictures in your house somewhere? And if you're if you're over a certain age, you've got the box of pictures. If you're under a certain age, you're like, well, I've got a detachable hard drive that has them all on there. If you've got a box of pictures, how many of you you're looking through your box of pictures and they're pictures of a bunch of random strangers? Kevin, you've got a picture. You got a box of No, I'm just kidding. He didn't raise his hand, but I just like needling him. You don't have pictures of of random strangers in your box of important pictures. You've got pictures of your family, of the relationships that are most important to you, of the memories that you made, the highlights of your life. Pictures help us to mark those things. And so we're going to have an opportunity during this series to take pictures to remind ourselves of what God's speaking to us in this day. And the us, the first us that I want to look at this week is me plus God equals us. There is an us that God creates when he comes into our lives and join us. And I'm actually going to call this relationship the selfie. Since we're going with the theme of pictures, I'm going to call it the selfie because it's us working on ourselves to be in relationship, to be in that sense of community that God has for us. Me plus God equals us. Whether you do it in the lobby or you get out your phone later today, I want you to take a picture of yourself. Take a selfie later. And every time you look at today's picture... Remember that today is about making a commitment to make sure my relationship with God is as healthy as it possibly can be. God, I I want our us. Tell this to the Lord. God, I want our us to be as good as it possibly can be. 
I want, I want the relationship that I have with you to be as healthy as it could possibly be in my life. In some ways, this should be an easy one to work on because I know in that equation which person needs to be adjusted in the relationship. Come on, if, if there's ever an issue in that equation, it's not on God's side of the equation, right? I've said this a lot of times in the past. If there's an issue that needs to be adjusted in the me plus God equation, it's on the me side. So there's always, there's always something that I can be working on to make sure that relationship is healthy and that it's where it's need to be. We need to look at God. How is the health of our relationship more than any other relationship we're looking at? That's that's the foundational one. That's why we're talking about it first today. Talk about talk about not good for man to be alone. The the things that God looked at in the garden and said, it's not good for man to be alone. If you have a me without God, that is like the pinnacle of not good of man being alone. If God is not in our lives, it's the definition of not good. In fact, I'm looking through scripture and I see me without God in my life is described as darkened in my understanding. Come on, I can't understand things. I can't comprehend what the plan for my life is. In scripture, me without God, I'm described as a foreigner to God's promises. Man, I see that God has good things, but I don't know how to grasp them. It's foreign to me. I can't even understand or see them operating in my life. Me, me without God says I'm separated from the life of God. Come on, talk about not good, man being alone, being separated from the life of God. Scripture describes us without God as being without hope. We have no hope for the future, being, being able to see a future for what's going to happen and, and be excited about it. It talks about us being unspiritual and being slaves to sin. And ultimately, me without God in Scripture is described as being dead in our sins. Talk about a not good situation. That's why the first, the most important addition of a relationship to that equation is me plus God. That's what it's the foundation for every other relationship that we have. If we want our relationships with anybody else to be healthy, that one is first. Think about this. By ourselves, we can't accomplish anything of true and lasting value. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 27, Jesus said this to his disciples, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? How many of you are experts at worrying? Come on. We're we're not supposed to do that in Scripture. Jesus all the time, he was going around with his disciples saying, Don't be anxious. Don't worry about these things. And yet, of all the things that you could ask a group of Christians, are you experts at this? Almost all of us, yes, I'm an expert worrier. And Jesus said, Don't. Hey, thank you for that hand. Yes. <laughs> I see him. I'll give you a fist bump later. Of all the things in our lives, we worry. And Jesus said, it doesn't produce anything. You can't even add a single hour to your life by worrying about it. In and of ourselves, we don't have the power to extend our lives or add anything of useful and lasting value. This is where people are in the world without God in a relationship in that equation. If they are me by themselves without God, they are in that place of I worry, worry, worry. And it's frustrating. It's hopeless. And it's not producing anything in my life. Any me without God is going nowhere fast. We can't even add an hour to our lives or guarantee what will happen tomorrow. But this is what God says in Psalm 33, verse 11. It says, the plans of the Lord stand firm. Everybody say forever. Forever. 
forever. Not even just an hour added to our life or what's going to happen tomorrow. It says the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. God is the only one that can say that. My plans are going to be carried out forever. He sees the beginning and the end. He sees what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's in store for us more than we could ever even figure out on our own. He has always been and he always will be. He has plans and purposes that go beyond the next five minutes. They go beyond the next five weeks, the next five months, even the next five decades. God has plans and purposes that he is carrying out that will go on forever. And the excitement that we have is when we come into a relationship with him, we get to be a part of those plans. All of a sudden, I went from I can't add a single hour to my life by worrying to the next thing you know, man, I'm in a plan that lasts forever. I'm a part of something that has no end. Come on, I think in our in our limited human understanding, we can't even comprehend what that's like to say, I am a part of something that will never end. Come on, some of you may feel that way on Sunday mornings while I'm talking. When is this ever going to end? But we really are a part of something that will go on forever. And it's not boring. It's not dull. It's exciting. It's glorious. It's better than we could ever hope or imagine. And it lasts forever. That is phenomenal. That's why God is the first one that we need to get in our circle to make in us, to be in relationship. It is foundational to everything else we do. We may not think of our relationship with God as creating community, but it really does. There is an us that we enter into, that he invites us into. God was sitting there in Genesis. And he, he had community already with himself. He says, let us make man in our image. And he invites us into that relationship, that perfect harmony that he existed in. He says, I want you to come be a part of that. Talk about a community that we enter into with God. We, we said that community is a choice that we make. And it's saying even though we're different, we're in it together. God actually made a choice already. He made a choice and a commitment to be in relationship with us. God made... I'll get an amen on this side. Thank you for that, Steve. God made a choice and a commitment already to be in relationship with us. This, this is what happened when he sent Jesus to walk on this earth, to live a sinless life, to do, to go and die on the cross and then to stand up out of that tomb and walk out. He said, this is my dedication to this relationship. I've made the ultimate commitment because I want a relationship with you. In, in our context as Christians, we call that the gospel or the good news. Well, however, however theologically it worked out, however that transaction happened at the cross, the end result of it is Jesus did that so that we could be in relationship with God. All those it, it, through the cross, Jesus absolutely destroyed the power of sin and death in our lives. And he opened the door to say, come in, have life with me. It's not just your average, any old life. It is abundant life. It is a life that prospers you, that your soul will be healthy. Your emotions will be at rest. It is a life that's available to us right now because of what Jesus did. All those things that were true about me without God get flipped on their head because of the cross. I'm no longer a foreigner to his promises. I possess them. 
I have the promises of God. They're not promises for off someday. He gave them to me right now through what Jesus did on the cross. The moment I believe I'm no longer separated from the life of God. I am one with him. Come on. It's, it's not looking at it from a distance, looking through the window, say, oh, doesn't that God guy have a really enjoyable life in there with his family? He invited me in and actually made me one with him. Come on, I'm not without hope anymore. I am filled and overflowing with it because of what Jesus did for me. I have hope enough to spare for everybody else around me because of what Christ did in my life. Those are the kind of things that he just flipped them upside down. I am no longer dead in my sins. I have eternal life. That is the good news that Jesus communicates to us through what he did on the cross. And the good news that goes beyond the good news. Come on. If, if there's a way to say, hey, the good news is even better than you ever thought it could be. The, the good news about the good news is that the gospel was not a one-time event that happened 2,000 years ago. Come on. There, there was something that occurred on that hill at Calvary. Jesus went to the cross. Then he walked out of that tomb. He did that 2,000 years ago physically. But it still is producing something right here and right now in our lives. Come on, talk about good news that keeps on giving. There is something that's going on in our lives 2,000 years today. I can't think of other events. There's not a whole lot of other events that you can look at and say, wow, that was so powerful that that happened millennia ago. You know, 5,000 years ago, 3,000 years, 2,000 years ago. We can't even look at stuff in the United States and say, hey, we, we built that great building 300 years ago. Come on, there is something that Jesus did 2,000 years ago that was so powerful, it's producing now and will continue to produce throughout the ages. God's plans stand firm forever. Forever. The purpose of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, the gospel that still resonates in our lives today, the purpose of what he did was to make it possible for God to live in us. To To have him come to join with me to make in us. That's what Jesus made possible through the cross. With with God in us, we have the ability to experience the life that he has for us every single day, everywhere that we go. We carry him in us. Jesus came to make it crystal clear that God was not just to be worshipped from a distance. That he wasn't just somebody to be looked at from far off and say, oh, isn't that an amazing God way over there on the mountain somewhere? Jesus came to show us he wants to live in us. He wants it to be that personal. He wasn't looking for impersonal rules and regulations and rituals and sacrifices and observances. He wanted a relationship to be personal. I think that's one of the most revolutionary things about Billy Graham. Come on, one of one of the most famous sharers of the good news of, of our generation or the generation before. He's still alive. <laughs> I'm, what is he now, 95, 96, like something like that. One of the most revolutionary things that I think made Billy Graham such a great communicator of the good news is he came to people and he said, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When, when, when Billy came and talked, it wasn't enough to just know about God. He said, you need to know God. And that's, that's the truth of what Jesus made possible. He made it possible where it's, it's no longer do I just have to try to study and learn about what God might be like, but I can actually know him intimately and personally. And that's what the good news is that Jesus made possible for us. And it starts by simply believing in Jesus. 
that he is the Son of God, that God raised him from the dead. What he did on that hill on Calvary was for me. This is one of my favorite descriptions of what happens when we become believers. In John chapter 14, he was, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Come on. It doesn't get any more personal than when somebody moves in with you, does it? Come on, it's, it's real then, it's on. If you open your door and say, hey, come live with me, I want you to move in, it's pretty real and pretty personal at that moment. And Jesus said, when you believe, if you love me, the Father will love you and He will come, we will make our home with you, we will move in. When we believe, we open the door to God and say, come on in. There's, I need you in my life. Come on. I, I think there's sometimes people tell other people, hey, move in with me, I really need you. Come on, how... How many of you have ever heard that? Ladies, don't fall for that for a second. Some guy comes and says, I really need you. Let me move. Let's move in together. But the truth is, with Jesus, with the Father, we really need him. It's like, if there's ever a relationship to say, my door is wide open. Come, come move in. I need you to come make your home with me. It's the relationship with Jesus. I love the, the Passion Translation. actually says of 1423, it says, My Father will love you so deeply that we will come and make you our dwelling place. I love that thought. The Father loves you so deeply that He wants not just to come and be in the same room. He says, I want to make you our dwelling place together. He lives His life through us the moment we believe. When we open the door of our lives... We open the door to the ongoing personal presence of God in us everywhere that we go. That's good news. That's me plus God equals us in that moment. He is living in us. And just like any other relationship that you have, it has the potential to deepen and grow over time. Come on, I don't, I don't care how long you've known somebody. When, when you first meet them, you might only know their name. But you don't really know them. It, it may be like that for some of us. The moment we met Jesus, I know his name. I called on it to be saved. But I need to learn who he is and begin to experience him. And no matter how long you've known him, there is more. Come on. You, you, might, have known, you might have known Jesus as, as long as Gene and Bob have known Jesus. Come on. And there's still more, isn't there, Gene? Oh, she, she's an honor. Oh, yeah. There, there are things, and maybe this is just me being a guy, but there are things about Pam that I still have no clue about. And, and I'm learning and, and coming to understand it. And we've been married for 24 years. I mean, this is like we are still learning and growing and deepening our relationship. And it works the same way with the Father, with Jesus, with, with life in the kingdom. We are still learning about who He is and we can deepen that relationship. And when we look at it in that light, when we think about it deepening our relationship and finding out more about the beauty of who He is, that puts Christian disciplines in a whole new light. Because now things, things like praying and things like fasting and being generous and giving, serving and reading the Bible, all these things, they're no longer duties that I have to do. To become a better person or to make him like me more. And if I look at it in the light of when I do those things, it gives me the opportunity to know him better. To deepen my relationship with him. To learn more about who he is. It takes it out of a realm of drudgery like, oh man, 
I guess it's time to pray again. Come on. How many of us have ever been there in our walk with Jesus? And when we think about it, it's not a level of duty. It's a level of, man, I get to spend some time with him this morning to, 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 let, to love each other, to let him talk to me a little bit, and to learn a little bit more about who he is. It goes to a whole other level when we see it, is it's a relationship that's personal. Those are the ways that we can grow the us. Me and God equals us. The relationship that we have with Him, when we do those things, we get to know Him better. When we do those things with an eye of, I'm remembering my first love. Come on, there was, Jesus wrote a letter to a church in the book of Revelation and said, Remember your first love. I think he said that because he wants our relationship to be personal. It's, it's a love relationship. Remember your first love. And do those things with an eye towards, how can I get to know you more? How can I get to know you better? Come on, even Jesus showed us that we need to take care of the me plus God equals us relationship. In Luke chapter 5, it says, as often as possible, Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. Come on, why was Jesus doing that? I don't think Jesus was praying because, oh, it's my duty. I I have this obligation that I have to fulfill. He was doing it because he valued the relationship, the community that he had with the Father. So he withdrew to say, I need to pray. Not Not to be a better person, not out of duty, but because I love you. And it's the same thing that he's still asking for us. So, So as Christians... Whether you've been walking with Jesus five minutes or or 50 years or more, as Christians, what I want us to do this week, the, the first week of this series, I want us to commit to do something to work on our selfie, to work on our relationship with God. And that, that may be something different for everybody in this room. You, you, may, you may be sitting there and it may come to you like, oh, man, I, I really need to go back and just just read through the Gospels. And, and see who Jesus is. Fall in love with Jesus all over again. That may be something that God prompts you to do. There, there may be other things that he's asking you. But commit to do something this week. Not out of obligation or duty. Not because I'm standing up here and asking you and you feel guilty about it. Or I'm going to check up on you later. But just commit to do something to say. Because I value our relationship, God. And I want it to be the best that it possibly can be. I'm going to do something to work on that this week. And if you're not a Christian, if you've never known what it meant to say, I have a personal relationship with him, just like Billy Graham talked about and people still talk about today. If it's never been real, if it's never been personal with you, you just need to talk to him and say, God, I know that you want to come and make your home with me. I'm I'm tired of running my own life. I'm tired of being the one in charge of me and all the bad decisions I've made. God, I, I turn from that. I believe that you are the son of God. That you died on that cross and you rose again and walked out of that tomb. And you did that for me. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. The moment, the moment you do that, He comes and He and the Father make His home with you. You come back to life. You become a new creation. There's something that didn't exist before. A spark of life is just breathed into you in that moment. And it becomes real and it becomes personal. And you open the door to say, come in. Let's go ahead and stand together this morning. As, as we go today, I already mentioned it. We, we have a booth set up in the lobby. You can go get your picture taken today and, and use this picture today to mark 
man, me plus God equals us. I come into a relationship. I come into community with Him. And it gives my life meaning. It gives me hope. It gives me life. Let's pray. Father, we come before You right now. We're so grateful for Jesus. (laughs) For, For sending Your very Son. That He would come. Because You so loved us. Because You looked at the world and said, My heart is burning with love. You wanted relationship. You knew it wasn't good for man to be alone. You knew that there was a void in our lives when we walk apart from you. And that love that you have has caused you to send Jesus on our behalf. And Lord, we ask that we would never take that for granted. That we would stay in that place of of knowing that there is a depth of relationship that you want to have with us. That there is a personal quality of that relationship that is very real and very present. God, we just renew ourselves in your presence once again to say we love you. We love you, God. What, What you've done for us has overwhelmed us. It's overwhelmed our hearts. It's more than we can even think about sometimes. God, I ask that you would you would continue to saturate us in that love. That you would continue to remind us that your hand is upon us. That your life dwells inside of us. We thank you for your very real presence in our lives every single day. And Lord, I, I ask where anybody's been in a place of feeling alone, feeling hopeless, feeling left out, God, I ask that you would come and surround them this morning. Just wrap your arms around them in a very real and a very tangible way. Remind us, Lord, (laughs) that you're with us. And God, even as we already prayed during worship this morning, we, we pray for your saving power to be released in the lives of people who don't know you, the lives of people that we care about that don't even know you. We ask that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would draw them, that you would release your saving power over their lives right now. God, let us be such a living example everywhere that we go of the realness of a relationship with you, that it would cause a longing to be stirred in their hearts, that when people look at us, they would desire something more. God, I thank you that we carry the answer to give them. Thank you that we we know the name of the answer. <laughs> and that name is Jesus. We just say that we honor you, Lord. We give you glory and worship this morning. And we ask that you would continue to be with us even as we leave this place. That your goodness and your mercy would follow us. That your life... <laughs> thank you that your life never gets old in us, Lord. We just bless you and we honor you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen.